It's time for the Extra Innings Podcast, presented by the Seattle Times. Your host is Seattle Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. This semi-weekly slash monthly slash whenever he gets around to it podcast talks about the Mariners, Major League Baseball, food, and whatever else Ryan and his guests decide to talk about. And now, here's your host, Ryan Divish. Hello there. Remember me? I'm your host of this podcast. Yeah, this is Ryan Divish, Mariners beat writer. Yes, the podcast has been in a bit of a hiatus. No, it wasn't because of my laziness. Uh, I guess you could say it was more because of my stupidity. Um, some of you may have saw it on Twitter because uh, I mentioned it on Twitter. But the reason there hasn't been a podcast is because I haven't had... Uh, a laptop with the capability of doing the podcast. Uh, usually I use GarageBand on a MacBook. Well, my MacBook is somewhere in the hilltop of Tacoma in somebody's apartment or in a pawn shop. Um, on the Saturday night of the, the first homestand against the, the Red Sox, uh, I was going home back to Tacoma from Safeco. I'm sorry, T-Mobile. Uh, I was with... Uh, my good buddy, former columnist John McGrath of the News Tribune, he was, he had gone to the game and asked for a ride home. So I, I picked him up over at the Hooverville, and we were going back to Tacoma. It was a 6 p.m. start on those Saturday games, so you know we wanted to get some food. Uh, I wasn't really impressed with the Mayor's media dining that night. I don't remember what it was, but um, so we we stopped at this uh, bar, this little bar called the 1111 Peterson Brothers 1111. It's, I think some of the best sandwiches in Tacoma obviously there's MSM Deli which is kind of cold sandwiches uh, but uh, 1111 focuses on kind of like panini grilled sandwiches and they have some of the best Uh, Thursday night specials bacon wrap meatloaf with two kinds of cheese and spicy ketchup on an Asiago bun oh yeah it's it's great Uh, so we wanted to get some food so we stopped at the 1111 because they they serve food till 1 a.m. and uh, I think drop I remember parking at about, I think, 12.15 and got our food, had a beer, going back out to get in my vehicle. And at about 1.15, maybe 1.30, and I said to John, I said, hey, you need to roll down, roll up your window. And then I looked back and there was no window in my Ford Explorer. And my backpack and John's backpack were, were taken. Um, look. If you live in the Seattle-Tacoma area, you know that break-ins and cars are, are pretty common. I think this is the third time I've had my vehicle broken into. I know better than to leave my backpack in the vehicle. What I was relying on is I have heavy tint on my windows, so I didn't think anybody would be able to see in there. What I didn't realize is that there was somebody standing in the alley not just nearby us and kind of heard us talking about leaving the bags in there, and then they broke in. I think they hit a couple other cars on that night. I mean, we were really parked right in front of these businesses, and they hit them anyways. And, you know, that's that happens sometimes when you live in a city and I will go back. I went back to the 11-11 the next night and got a sandwich. So I definitely am not going to disparage Tacoma as like some bad place. I love Tacoma and I would never move from there to Seattle. I like living down there. I like the people and everything about it. It's just one of those decisions you make where you should know better. You should always never leave your anything in your vehicle in anywhere. Um, because it will get taken and if you uh value the stuff in there uh, which i did i you wouldn't make that mistake but it was just something i thought you know being lazy or careless didn't do it and 
I basically my whole life got taken. I lost my work laptop, which my bosses weren't exactly pleased with. Uh, it was an older MacBook. It was on its last legs, but still, um, I lost my iPad and I lost my Oakley sunglasses that were polarized for my vision and or polarized and like fit my gigantic fat face. Uh, I lost three sets of headphones. Um, what else? My planner, an iPod, uh, touch that I use to listen to music. Um, what else? There's one other thing that was pretty significant. I didn't lose the mic for the podcast. That was good. It was actually at my place. So that, that was important because this is a nice little mic. So I don't know. It was like basically everything I used to travel. Oh, it's like all my chargers, like multiple chargers for all my stuff gone. Um, so, you know, my, everything I used to travel with, was taken so that's been a bit of an ordeal trying to get that all replaced um assurance insurance not my friend right now trying to deal with them my renter's insurance to try and get some of the stuff like the expenses recouped i don't know whether it will or not but anyways my advice to you never leave your backpack anywhere always bring it with you it's just not worth it you, know, you might get lucky a few times or you more often than not it won't get taken but that one time that it does get taken you will not um be happy so now that we have a new laptop, thanks to the times, we are able to do a podcast. I talked with Larry Stone for about an hour. I'm here in Anaheim recording this as we speak. It's um, Wednesday evening. The Mariners just completed a uh, winless homestand. They got swept by the Astros and the Indians. And while I thought that there would be some regression on this homestand and that they weren't going to maybe put up eight runs a game like they did in the first 15 games of the season I didn't think they get swept um, but if you look at the pitching you know you face you know four of the six games they faced guys that are really really good you they faced Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole and then they faced Trevor Bauer and Carlos Carrasco so the games like against Wade Miley on the homestand opener and then um yesterday against Shane Bieber those are the games they really needed to win and they needed to find a way to win some of the you know beat these better pitchers I think we've seen as much as we've written about how much better their offensive approach is at the plate and it is better it is better pitchers that are talented uh, all-star level pitchers that execute can beat a good approach because they get ahead and they they take you out of your approach because they get ahead and counts and force you to follow their approach to what they're doing and we saw that I think a lot this homestand the other thing we've seen and this isn't new i mean i wrote it in the very first game story of the season I, i've harped on it a little bit even when it was all you know smiles and homers and home run streaks and eight runs a game the mariners defense is a problem the mariners bullpen is a problem and that hasn't changed and what happened is when they got into these games against better teams where they weren't scoring a bunch of runs or they got into games against better teams that could stay with them offensively, the bullpen and the defense became problems and they reared their heads and it led to some negative results. I don't know how you fix it. I mean, you know, yeah, you're using coaches and trying to get them better, but this isn't like uh, high school where a coach can just continually drill, drill the fundamentals and all that stuff. These guys kind of are who they are. Um, you know, as, as players, you know, they're going to get better incrementally. They can get more consistent, but somebody like Tim Beckham is not going to just magically become a gold glove level defender. 
You know, they, they don't even need that. They just want him to be an, an average defender, and he hasn't been that. Uh, Ryan Healy ostensibly playing out of position. I know he played third base in college, played third base initially, but he profiles more as a first baseman. He's being forced to play third base. And honestly, I think he's been better. He's been a little bit more consistent. But, you know, they just have defensive issues all over the field, and that's something Larry and I discuss uh, later in the podcast. The bullpen, I mean, they didn't invest in it in terms of money. They, you know, you get rid of Edwin Diaz, Alex Colomay, uh, Juan Nicasio, whether you thought he was good or not, he's an experienced arm, Nick Vincent, James Pazos. I mean, that's a lot of appearances. Those top, those five guys led the team in appearances. They were the top five guys in terms of appearances. I think Nicasio had the same amount as uh, Chase and Bradford, but that's a lot of appearances that are gone, and you're asking guys that have never maybe assumed that role or really stayed in the big leagues for a significant amount of time to cover those innings. You know, they. If you look at the the current makeup of the bullpen, really only Zach Roscup and and uh, Anthony Swarzak have had extended major league experience, and both of those guys have dealt with a ton of injuries. So they're piecing together a bullpen with a lot of guys that are still trying to figure it out at the big league level. There's been surprises like Brandon Brennan. I thought he's been outstanding, but you know, for the most part, they kind of been as inconsistent as you thought they would be, uh, and that's where they're at. You know, they. They went on that 13-2 run to start the season, and and now they've lost six in a row. I, I don't know that, and this is something Larry and I discussed, but I don't think they're they're either one or the other. They're somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're the 13-2 and two team, but I don't think they're the 0-6 team that they are on right now. They're somewhere kind of in the between, and things like execution and, and um, you know, those kinds of things will be the difference for them. Because they, this, this is who they are. I, I don't think it's going to change until you, you change different players on the, on the roster, which could happen eventually. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think when the last time I recorded one was. If uh, it's been, it's been interesting to say the least. I, I'm happy for Daniel Vogelbach to get playing time, consistent playing time for the most part. I think he showed a little bit of who he can be, and you've seen pitchers adjust to him a little bit over the last few games as well. Um, I'm curious to see what happens when they play Anaheim, who's not as good as uh, Houston or Cleveland. San Diego will be interesting because I think they're better uh, than they've been in a long time and you know, probably better than the Mariners. But um, that's the baseball season. You know, Larry wrote a column talking to Jerry Depoto when the team was rolling and everybody was talking about adding pieces and all that stuff. And even Depoto, who is like the most optimistic human being I've ever been around, was kind of cautious and said, look, we've got to wait 60 games to really know what this team is or isn't. And so I'm kind of taking that approach as well. You know, obviously you write it every night, but you're just kind of watching to see if trends stick or if approaches continue. If, if, if D Gordon and, you know, has four walks and continues to see the number of pitches he always see, he's been seeing, or if that changes, you know, does this stuff stick uh, over these next, 40 games to see who they really are or is it going to be a regression to more of who they've been and the Mariners become this team that only wins or is only going to win 70 games in a season and, and you go from there but I'm just happy to, to <laughs> I'm happy to have a normal laptop honestly the the loaner laptop that they gave me from the times is like a Dell from like 2000 it was it was the size of a small Buick and it was funny it had a DVD 
or CD-ROM DVD player in it. So randomly, I'd be typing, it would just eject, and and like the guys in the press box thought it was just the funniest thing ever, just seeing it just randomly pop open. I'd have to shut it. Apparently, he wanted me to watch a movie or something. I don't know. But we've got a new laptop. We'll be doing the podcast a little more consistently now because we can do them. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. So let's get to Larry. And uh, as I said, don't ever leave your backpack or anything that you value in your vehicle. Uh, if you do, you can suffer my same consequences. Welcome back, Larry Stone, to the podcast that hasn't been around for a while. Larry, do you want to be the 150th person in the world to uh, lecture me about leaving my backpack in a vehicle? <laughs> I, I don't want to cast any stones because I, I have some uh, I have some things that you could come back at me. With. Well, I know. So. I, I mean, yeah, I, I there was an iced tea incident, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to crush you on that. <laughs> You know, yeah, we'll call it even. Yeah, yeah you know, it had those things happen, particularly uh, in Tacoma. Oh, so hating on the two five three, hating on my <laughs> my second hometown. I was just stupid on my part. I mean, honestly, I feel for you. Oh, like my whole life is in there too, and just you know that that's the worst feeling. Like you know, I'm, I get in the vehicle, and I was like. I, I said to McGrath, I said, did you leave your window down? Did you leave the window down? And I looked back, and then there was no window, and there's glass everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, many curse words came out at once. And, and then, oh, not good. Did you finally get a new computer? Then? I, that's how we're doing this podcast. Okay. We wouldn't have been able to do it with the 1994 Dell that they had me using before. So The... Uh, the unfortunate part is that we never got to do a podcast when they were the hottest team in baseball and talk about how great they were and how they were going to win the pennant and all that. By the time we're doing a podcast, they've already they've gone from thirteen and two to thirteen and eight, and the whole tenor of this thing has changed. Yeah, I think that's better that way, don't you think? You know, I mean, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't want to come out smoking gumdrops and rainbows and telling <laughs> everybody how great they were, and then look like idiots a week later now we just get to do nothing and not look like idiots we'll do we'll look like idiots in our own normal way <laughs> well what yeah, i mean they still i'm looking at the standing here they still have the third best record in the american league and the second best run differential uh but uh just think if they had just split this series they'd be 16 and 5 oh, or you know this this homestand just a split but as it is now you know and now you have to wonder if the wheels are falling off. What, whether those fifteen games were a total mirage, you know, just where where do they go from here? It's going to be, it's really going to be fascinating because the season has been such contrast, and you can't you can't take away thirteen and two and one of the best starts they've ever had, and well, the best start they've ever had, and in some ways, one of the best starts in history. So, uh, I mean, that was just truly truly amazing, and now. Reality has most definitely hit on this uh, on this homestand that just ended. Yeah, reality sucks sometimes. You know that. <laughs> it does. You you can attest to that with your computer yeah. and uh, uh, sports. I don't know if that's really reality. No. The whole thing is just a fantasy anyway. But uh, well, I mean, uh, like, so you know, Larry and I obviously we 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 have Messenger and everything else. We've been we were talking throughout this and saw him at the park and everything. 
I mean, the thirteen and two start was it was crazy, and and when you watched how they were were working pitchers, and granted, we saw what good pitchers a good pitcher. A good, high-quality major league pitcher can neutralize even the best approach at the plate because you see it in the playoffs all the time. You know the good pitchers can neutralize. The Red Sox are famous for having the approach that the Mariners are trying to to um, instill. But you know you have a good pitcher; it can neutralize that. But for the first 15 games, I mean, they were just wearing out guys and playing four-hour games and, and just and everybody was hitting and taking walks. And you thought. You know, you looked at the guys in the lineup. I could see this being somewhat consistent down the road. I mean, don't didn't you think the same thing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was hard not to watch those games and them scoring ten runs a game, and you know, the two losses that they had were late bullpen collapses, and and not think that they they were going to be better than anyone thought, and that the lineup was going to make up for for a lot of ills, um, and I. I I think we should not go to the other extreme either. I think I think it's only fair to look at the pitchers that they just faced in you know in a five day run there, Verlander and uh, um, uh, who's the other uh, the other good Houston pitcher Garrett Cole, um, Garrett Cole. Cole and and uh, Bieber and Carrasco and uh, and Bauer. I mean those are five really really good pitchers, and uh, but. Uh, all that we saw there for those 15 games was was not pr- as you know present in the in the in the last six and uh, and the other warts that this team has mainly the bullpen and the defense really show showed up when when, the, when they're not when they weren't bashing the ball to the tune of eight or ten or twelve runs a game those other vulnerabilities really really came to the fore and. You know, even the rotation a little bit now with, uh, you know, LeBlanc out, although Swanson was great tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think re- reality is going to be a little more sobering. I don't think that it, it was tempting to think well, maybe they can make the actually contend and make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll now that they're facing some lesser teams, maybe they'll they'll surge again. But. I think it's easy to see how uh, what we thought originally uh, may be the more realistic outcome. Yeah, I mean, we knew there was going to be regression. You know, you and I talked about it that there was going to be some regression coming because it, well, obviously, thirteen and two is not sustainable and playing at that level and, and scoring eight runs. But you know, it, it came all at once. You know, and, and I mean that. They they had a chance to win the, the the start the Wades start that night and the bullpen really hurt them, uh, giving up a couple grannies, uh, you know. And then once they ran into some good pitching, you know, when you play close games and you give away outs the way that their defense does, that's a problem. Especially when you have a, a pitching staff, starters and relievers that don't strike out a ton of guys. So I mean, you're you're you're, you're going to have the ball and play a lot, and I. You know, and I we wrote a fun story about Perry Hill this spring, <laughs> or this spring, but he's not a miracle worker. <clears throat> I mean, Tim Beckham is who he is as a defender. He's always been this way, and I I think you know that he does. Perry's put in a ton of work. They're taking infield every day. You know, I hadn't seen that in a while, but they've been taking infield every day. 
some of these guys just are who they are. I mean, Ryan Healy is never going to be a great defensive third baseman, no matter how many ground balls he takes. He might be adequate, uh, but he'll never be great. And that's just, you know, the profile of all these guys that they had defensively was was below average. Other than Mitch Hanniger in right field and other than D. Gordon at second base, scouts I talked to thought everybody else was below average, and that includes Malik Smith in center field. And Basically, we've seen that happen many, many times this year. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're weak. The, the left side is just is really weak from the you know shortstop and and third baseman Santana is just not a good outfielder. Uh, Navias is not a good catcher uh, defensively, uh, and you also have a first baseman. Whether it be uh, Bruce Vogelbach or Encarnacion, who's not real adept at you know, making up for some of those bad throws or bailing the guys out, uh, which also is a factor. So it's, uh, it, it costs them. It, it costs them, I think at least a game on this trip, this homestand and rather, and, uh, I, you know, it's going to continue to be a problem until, you know, at some point Seeger will come back at some point, maybe Evan white will come up and who was, uh, 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 plus plus defensive first baseman. Uh, I don't know when that'll be. It won't be for a while. Uh, and maybe things will, will settle down a little bit. You know, Crawford's hitting over 300. Uh, at some point he'll be up at, at shortstop. I mean, you know, you hope Beckham continues to hit the way he's hitting and he could be, uh, you know, some of these guys that we thought were trade chips at the beginning of the season are, playing well enough to uh, entice other teams, you know, Carnacion, Beckham, um, you know, Jay Bruce is not, his average is 164, but he's hitting for a lot of power, and I think he'll bring the average up. So, uh, I mean, you could see the potential for for some, for, for some deals. I mean, <laughs> there was a, when they were 13-2, and two, I, I, I called up uh, DePoto, or actually when they were 12-2, and two, and, uh, you know, I asked him about the question everybody was asking is like, are you going to start going out and getting guys and making the team better and going for it? And he said, like, you know, he put the brakes on it a little bit and said, it's too early to even think about that. And and, and he was right. Although I do think it it, it might behoove him to, 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 to look at a bullpen guy. But, you know, the, other than Kimbrell, who they're not going to get, uh, there's really not much out there other than the kind of guys that they've been going out and getting, which are are uh, guys that they see something that other teams don't don't see, like Sadzik, Sadzik, and yeah, and Aranis and the guys like that. Yeah. So um, you know, you're not going to get a miracle worker there. The bullpen is what it is, and they're, they're going to have to just kind of live with it. Yeah, I mean they they knew they weren't going to invest any money in the bullpen this year, and and I mean and you knew that that's what was going to be the case when when you saw it. I mean, you know, there was moments of success. Sadzik had that couple nice outings, and then he kind of reverted back to who he'd been before. Maybe he's still working on it. He's a work in progress, but yeah, you know, it, it was funny. Like we we wrote. You know, our whole special section was on on the step back and how it could be difficult to watch this year and everything. And then they whip off thirteen and two, and I got people going, hey, "What the hell are you guys talking about? You don't know. Jerry doesn't know what he's doing." But you know, he kind of said, "Wait." And I think what did he say? Sixty games is where he had it. In the yeah, game. 
Yeah. Right. He's still got a ways to go to 60 games, although it's felt like it as long as these games have been at times. Yeah, when you – I mean, at some point this year, we're going to look back on those first 15 games and just shake our head and, and wonder how the heck that happened. Be, I mean, to a team that traded away so many of their key players to come out like that and be the best team in baseball and the talk of baseball for two whole weeks – and surge, uh, you know, eleven games over five hundred, and just look unbeatable. You know, look like world beaters. It's just amazing. And uh, uh, you knew there wasn't going to last, but you started to wonder that, like I said, that well, maybe they could be pretty good this year. It was hard not to think that. And uh, and now we're seeing a more realistic view of of the, the challenges that are that are facing them and. You know, this year may turn out may well turn out to be exactly what we thought it was, and that, and that first two weeks will be uh, looked at as just uh, unexplainable aberration. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think they're either team. You know, I don't think the the team we saw over the last six games. I don't know that that's necessarily them. I mean, they're not going to get shut down completely. I do think their offense is is pretty capable of scoring runs. They they still shown that they're going to hit with some power. But I also don't think there were this juggernaut that we saw for the first 15 games. You know, there's there's somewhere in the middle, and, and the thing is, is like on the on the nights when they really hit, you can you can overcome your your mistakes. You know, it's I just think in the close games, you know, in any game where there's one to two runs either way, it's going to be dicey just because they don't necessarily make plays in the field, and you don't know what you're going to get from the bullpen. I mean, Strickland's injury is a problem. Uh, you know they're piecing it together, and you know re- relievers are fickle products. You never, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. I mean, that's what made the Diaz thing so amazing last year is that he never really had a hiccup. He was good the entire year. You don't see that happening very often. Even look at Kimbrel for all that they've talked about. You know, everybody says he's how great he is. He had some hiccups over the last couple of years, specifically in the postseason. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, you, you tried. You don't want to be Debbie Downer when they were rolling and sit there and, and fans are going crazy and they're all excited and you don't want to say, Hey, look, this is, this isn't sustainable while, you know, there is the reality check that if you just common sense says it isn't uh, sustainable, but you know, in the back of your mind, you think, okay, maybe they are better because I do think given their offense, I think they can score runs for the most part. I mean, obviously they didn't today. Carrasco is amazing. Uh, but I, I do for the, think for the most part they're a better offensive team than maybe they even were last year just simply because they have better approaches at the plate. You know, they, they are taking walks and they are working counts a little bit better. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like what is real and what isn't. I don't know that anything we've seen from, was it, 20-some games, I don't think – I don't know what is real and what isn't. I mean, we knew what their weaknesses were and we knew what their possible strengths were and that's kind of where they're at right now. Yeah, I mean, those numbers were just insane. I mean, uh, Daniel Vogelbach was OPSing, you know, over two. And yeah, the whole team practically was over 900. And now you look at it and, you know, D. Gordon was up three, in the 360s. He's down to 294. You know, uh, Ryan Healy was leading the league in extra base hits. He's hitting 227 with a 268 on base percentage now. Uh, Jay Bruce is at 175. Malix is at 219, barely over 300 with his on base. Um, 
you know, there was a collective slump on this on this homestand, and again, a lot of it was due to that pitching. But uh, I, it was uh, I mean, these guys. You, you could you could preach the control the zone and all that, and, and praise all the pitching, or excuse me, the hitting coaches and the analysts and all that. But uh, you're not going to be miracle workers. You're not going to turn these guys into uh, you know, on base machines when they haven't been their whole career, eventually it's going to catch up to them, and it, and it, it's it, it did. Yeah, I mean, imp- there'll be improvement. I think if you true if they truly embrace this and they, they're doing the things they say, there'll be improvement, but it's not going to be drastic improvement. Rarely is there drastic improvement in baseball, unless back in the steroid days. I mean, baseball improvement in baseball because of the process, because of the time. And because of the amount of games you play, it's often incremental. You know, they talk about taking two steps back to take a step forward. Even when you take a couple steps forward initially, there is a regression period because, you know, there's an adjustment by the opposing opposing teams to what you're doing. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be better offensively for the most part, given some of the guys they have now. But, I mean, yeah, the, Ryan Healy still isn't going to be – you know, a 300-level hitter. D. Gordon, I think, is better than he was last year. He looks healthier. You know, there are going to be periods. And when you face good pitching, um, that's the problem. I think just, you know, we've written so much about that step back and why they are doing it. And the big reason was they want to be able to compete with the Astros. And they look at the Astros and know that they can't beat them. I mean, the Mariners were the hottest team in baseball. And the Astros came in. And they were playing well at the time. You know, they didn't start off well. But... I mean, that looked like two different levels of teams when you were watching them play. I mean, when you know, the Mariners worked over Wade Miley pretty good and got to the bullpen, and all of a sudden Brad Peacock comes out of the bullpen and just starts throwing strikes and striking guys out. It's just a different kind of team than what the Mariners are. You know, there, there's no comparison in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was the game they had to have, the Wade Miley game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you knew who you had coming behind them, uh, Verlander and Cole. So, and, uh, that 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 game was there for the, for the taking, and they and they didn't take it. They made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of the flaws came out. And uh, I mean, I think Service won't won't wouldn't say it, but I think he was eager to to, to play them and show the world that the balance of power has changed a little bit, and uh, and it showed that it that it didn't. And uh, you know that 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 is that is sobering. And you're right, that is. Uh, a whole different level of, of team there that, uh, you know, the Mariners are striving to get to that level. And the, 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 the Astros now have won 10 in a row. They, they were down last I checked, they were down two to one in the ninth to the, to the A's. But, uh, you know, they, even if they lose, it's a 10 game winning streak and they've taken over the, the yesterday, the Mariners quietly moved out of first place for the first time all season. And, uh, that that's going to continue today, whether the Astros win or, or lose. Um, so, uh, I mean, if you, the funny thing is if you had said before the season that the Mariners were going to start out 13 and eight, uh, I, we would have all said, no way they're going to be that good. They're not going to be five <laughs> games over 500 after 21 games. And, uh, and now there, there's a really bad, it doesn't have the good feeling attached to it that you would think because of the the way they got to thirteen and eight. But you know, overall, that's far better than anyone expected them to be. And you look at their, they still lead the the, the majors in runs by a by a wide portion, even with a with a series of games here where they barely scored, which shows you 
you know, how dominant they were during that first stretch. Yeah, you know, I mean, it may even out a little bit. You know, the Angels don't have the starting pitching that they faced, you know, the last few days, so that could that could help them. San Diego's got some better starting pitching. That'll be an interesting series. Um, yeah, of of like, so or was it twenty games in now? Is that twenty? Twenty one. Twenty one games. Yeah. Um, what has been your biggest surprise, like player wise, that that could be sustainable? Well, I think Vogelback, uh, even though he cooled off, um, you know, that was one of my big questions going into the season is how will they find time playing time for him? And if he got some consistent playing time, would he, uh, you know, would he show what DePoto has always believed about him, but, but he's never really shown it other than at the minor league level and some flashes, uh, and then he was just insane there for about a five-game stretch. And you know, he's, he's hitting 340, 440, 878. Uh, and he's hitting the ball hard. I mean, the other night, uh, I went with my son, and we sat out in the stands Monday night. And he just uh, he was over. He had an over, but he roped the ball twice uh, right at the guy. He's putting good at bats. You know, he's showing the, the batting eye that that the the Mariners have always touted um you know he doesn't have a defensive position I think he's a DH but if you have a DH who can be highly productive that's a huge asset to a team and um I mean it's still interesting you still have uh, a challenge service still has the challenge of Encarnacion Bruce and Vogelbach with only two spots for them unless you put Bruce in the outfield and, and sit Malix, which they, they do occasionally. Um, so you, 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 they do have one good bat on the bench almost every night, which is a rarity for them in, in recent years. Uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they juggle that. But, but yeah, I mean, Malix and, and, and to a lesser extent, well, I guess on the pitching side, uh, Brandon, um, Okay. Brennan, um, Brandon Brennan. Brandon Brennan, yeah. I mean, he's a Rule 5 guy who's been their, their most effective pitcher, <laughs> uh, a relief pitcher. I mean, yeah. he's, you can make a case for him at some point being their closer. He's got, you know, he's only allowed one uh, one run all year in, in uh, you know, nine appearances. And his his stuff is, is really, really good. I saw somebody compare it. I saw a story comparing him to Max Scherzer. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, um man. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that's getting ahead of yourself, but, um, that, that you got to give DePoto credit for, for unearthing this guy in the rule five after DePoto or, or whatever scout it was who recommended it, Robert recommended him, but he looks like he, he looks like a real find. Now, I think for me, Domingo Santana, um, you know, just, I like his approach with runners on base. He doesn't try and like, you know, he's not trying to hit bombs, he just kind of he, he has a ton of those kind of hard singles to center and to right field runners on base. He's you know obviously this isn't gonna last. I mean he's got a 341, 413, 537 slash slide. I mean that's not going to last. And he's also I don't know if he's still on pace for 200 RBIs. I know you're the <laughs> pace guy, but I, I just the things he's done at the plate in terms of how he, he approaches a bat. Sure he's gonna strike out. He has 22 strikeouts. Uh, which doesn't even lead the team. Mitch Hanniger leads the team with 26. But um, 
he's got 10 walks and I just like the way he kind of goes about it. Uh, you know, batting there in that spot, especially with runners in scoring position, he just has a knack for getting guys in. And I think, you know, playing every day, I think he's cleaned up some stuff. He talked about a little bit, you know, his approach and, uh, and I think he's been pretty good. The one, the Beckham one I'm curious about, you know, we had that hot little stretch for 50 games with the Orioles in 2017 after the Rays just basically gave up on and said, we're done with him. Um, which doesn't it takes a long time to give up on a guy that's one one in the draft, but he's he's got a three eighteen three ninety two I mean six hundred slash line or six hundred slugging, I mean nine ninety eight OPS obviously that's going to stay. He has a pretty good approach for the most part. He hits the ball hard. I mean I don't know what position he is, but that's that's a curious thing. Uh, of the, you know he maybe he is, you know he talked a little bit about some of the information that had been presented to him and how they're doing the scouting reports. And he's got, he thinks he has a better understanding of what pitches he hits. Well, maybe this is going to help him a little bit. Yeah. And you, you make a good point. He, he, he looked like he had made that breakthrough two years ago with the, with the Orioles and then he got hurt last year. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe this is what he is. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he had double hernia surgeries. He basically was playing with two hernias. Um, yeah. Two sports hernias. And, you know, Maybe that'll help him, but it hasn't helped him in the field as much. But no, and you wonder what, what when you know if if Crawford continues to hit in Tacoma uh, at at some point, do you do you bring him up and make Beckham make Beckham the utility guy, and you end up and you have a better bat than than Dylan Moore, um, uh, because he can play he he could play all over. Um, you know, so some interesting questions, but yeah, he's he has uh, been far better with a bat than anyone that anyone ever expected. And he, I mean, for the first week of the season, he was like the M- well, he was a player of the week mm-hmm. for the for the American League, and uh, he's sl- he's like everybody else. He's he's slowed down a little bit, but um, you know, he's shown some signs that he's going to be better. I think at the plate than 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 anyone thought. Yeah, so the, the the deal is well, the Mariners have maintained all along that um, it's not a service time issue with 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 J.P. Crawford and why he didn't make the team, and he didn't deserve to make the team, frankly, with the, how he played this spring and the, some of the things they wanted him to work on. They wanted him to go to Tacoma, they wanted him playing well when he came up, but he had a lot of things that they wanted to work on. I mean, in terms of defense, his footwork, that's like Perry Hill. You know, Perry Hill, his influence on Tim Beckham or Ryan Healy might not be as great, but his influence on J.P. Crawford is important, and that's what they wanted to kind of get him into. And then, but there is, it's not service time, it's it's free agency. I was talking with some people that, like, he, he would get to free agency a year earlier if he, if they call him up and he stays on the team before, um, I think it's like end of May, like May 27th or something, May 17th. Mm-hmm. But if you call him up after that, then you get an extra year of control or arbitration before he gets the free agency. Now, that may not really matter in the end. But again, if you were already thinking he was going to be at Tacoma and he deserved to go to Tacoma with the way he played this spring, I don't, I, it's prudent to just wait till then. I mean, have him hitting well anyways. You know, it's what is that, another yeah. month? Just just a, a sidebar here, but baseball's got to do something about that. <laughs> uh, you know, where, where Vlad Guerrero uh, Jr., 
you know, one of the, the most exciting player to come along in the minor leagues in years is not up with the with the terrible Blue Jay team that could really use him and could use a spark that their fans could have a reason to come out to the ballpark because they're trying to suppress his arbitration and free agency. Um, and that plays out over and over again. And, uh, you know, that's something they've got to address in the next, in the next best basic agreement. You should not be de-incentivized to, to play your best players and, and to, to bring up your best guys. You know, in, um, in, in the in the mind of the player too, doesn't that make you just less likely to sign an extension to sign like one of these Ozzy Albies or Ronald Acuna extensions? And you're like, hey, screw you! You guys left me down there when I was better than everybody else, all for one extra year. Why should I sign and give you guys a break on a, on an extension to buy out my my arbitration in my first few years of free agency when you when you kind of screwed me over? Which is why, yeah, I agree, and when you, that's why I admire uh, the Padres, for instance, for bringing up Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, and starting him from the beginning of the season and saying, you know, he's our, we, we're, we're trying to win something here this year and he's our best guy and we'll, we'll worry about the, the, the playing time ramifications later. I mean, if he's really good, you're, everybody's signing these young guys to extensions anyway. So it really matters less if he if he turns out to be good after two years, you can give him a six year extension, and and then that almost uh, more or less becomes a moot point. And the White Sox did it for a long time. They did it with Moncada and some of those guys, and they were taking a lot of heat for Eli Jimenez, and they finally just said, "Look, we, we got to put him on the team because he was that good." You know, I, I we haven't really seen that with the Mariners per se as often, but. Um, yeah, they, I, they it, also haven't had that level of prospect. No, they haven't. They haven't had the superstar prospect. But you know, that's you know, that's the thing, and it, it is an issue with with Crawford. Again, I I don't know if that that'll ever get to that point. You know, that's assuming JP Crawford plays at a level that he was once expected to, but hasn't shown in the last few years. Uh, but again, if you're there, you know. You can make that decision or not. I, I mean, I at this point, when you're not really playing for anything, and you 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 really do feel like the next few years are your future. What's one more month? I mean, with the Blue Jays, I mean the Blue Jays got lucky in a sense. It's not lucky, but Vlad got Vlad Jr. got hurt towards the end of spring training. So then they use that as an excuse not to have to worry about carrying him. But I mean, he's ready to go now. I mean, did you see that one he hit under the road the other day? Yeah, out of the he stadium. Is a, he is a phenomenon. I mean, he's yeah, fun to watch. I'd like to see him lose about twenty pounds. Maybe, I know, but. no, I like that. He's like my body brother there. Me and Vlad, that, and the guy from with the twins also. He, oh good. yeah, well that's my that's my that's my. He does. He's my guy. Williams Studio. Yeah, he does nothing but hit. He's got like a career three fifty average. I, I mean, he's he's incredible. Uh, the the other guy, I was just perusing the. Uh, Tacoma stats the other day and shed long. This was a, as of like two days ago was hitting 360, um, and he's a guy you know we all had man crushes on in spring training. Uh, uh, he's you know, he's got all kinds of uh, tools, hit tools, and uh, you know what? <laughs> where 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 do you find a spot for him if he keeps hitting like that? I mean what? Is D, does D Gordon become expendable in a trade? Well, I, or, uh, I, I think they would trade D Gordon if they had a decent offer for him. I mean, I know D's been a, an integral part of their integral part of their process with these young guys, but I think they'd trade him. You know, you know how teams get like a lot of teams will, won't 
you know, they'll they'll try a guy at second base. Like second base isn't a priority position for a lot of teams. They'll try out a young kid or they'll they'll do the Brewers and convert Mustakis there or something. They'll try and piece it together to start the season. But if you notice then at the middle of the season, you know, guys start getting moved or you know, that's when somebody might have value. You could move D Gordon then if somebody gets hurt. Say Pedroya never comes mm-hmm. back to what he is and they're like, Okay, we you know, we gotta do this. I mean that's I think that's where you could do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think Shed will come up. You're right in the sense, though, that like you were talking about with Crawford. I think it, the the overall plan was that when Crawford was ready to come up, he would assume the starting job and Tim Beckham would become the utility guy. And Dylan Moore could go back to, to go down to Tacoma. Um, and I think that's the way they set it up now, how, how that works. But Shed Long, as, Shed Long and Braden Bishop and J.P. Crawford are putting up huge numbers. Bishop's been sick the last three days. But those guys are all putting up numbers down in Tacoma. Now the PCL is relatively hitter-friendly, but these things that Chad is doing, like that walk-off three-run homer over the scoreboard in a cold night, that's not, that's, not, yeah. that's not altitude or anything like that. And Evan White was hitting over 300 at double-A, uh, albeit with, with virtually no power. I think he only had a couple of extra base hits. But his glove is so good that uh, – you know he's going to move. He's going to move fast. I think. Uh, so you've got a lot of replacement. It's an interesting dynamic. You've got all these guys fast tracking in the minor leagues, and all these all these veterans who are are trade chips, uh, and and you've got a general manager with an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> so, as we all know, so I think there's going to be a lot of deal making as this season progresses, and I, uh, it'll be interesting to see what you know, what they end with and how it compares to what they started with and uh, um, what kind of, you know, what kind of young, more, more talent can they bring back? Uh, or, or some of these just be payroll clearing moves that will, that will leave them with some room to, to really be aggressive in the free agent market in, you know, the, in the coming couple of years. Would you, uh, as a national guy, what do you think of uh, all these, all these guys getting locked up, all the young guys. You think that's going to be the trend? I think it is, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the one deal that everyone was buzzing about was Ozzy Albies of, of uh, Atlanta, who, I mean, the consensus is he got royally screwed by, by this deal and, and, you know, malpractice by his agent and all that. Uh, and, he, and, and, I mean, he, he conceivably, if he turns into being a perennial all-star kind of player that he looks like, he he may have left tens of millions of dollars on the table, and and yet you also have to look at, you know, these these kids. He he didn't have any kind of signing bonus. You know, he came out of the Dominican Republic, uh, poor background, and the chance to get a thirty million dollar payday is is very enticing. And, uh, um, and you know, you, you, it's a it's a calculated risk on both sides. You know, if he turns out to be a bust, the the, the Braves are going to owe him a lot of money for for little production, and that's happened. But then you get the other side. You know, like uh, Longoria when he first came up with the the Rays was kind of the first one I remember getting a deal like this, like with no service time he suddenly gets like an eight-year contract because they were so confident and and that ended up really hurting him because he was grossly underpaid later on when he became an all-star 
So the, the, it's a risk for the player. It's a risk for the team. But uh, if the player turns out to be really good, uh, it's essentially a player not betting on himself. You hear about players betting on themselves. This is a this is the reverse. A player not betting on himself, and uh, it it usually works out to the team's benefit, particularly if you identify the right player. Yeah, you know that's. Uh, Zanino was offered a $24 million extension, which isn't a huge extension, but I think there was a fourth-year option in that as well. So he was offered a four-year extension, and he turned it down. He wanted to bet on himself, and, and you know that's ultimately why he got traded. Um, Acuna and Albies are locked up for seven years apiece. I mean, it's yeah. pretty it's pretty good. you know. And you're seeing more of that. Some guys, like Randall Gritchick, I mean, he's a nice player. I was kind of like, okay, Randall Gritchick, whatever, but – um, you know, I get why teams are doing it. It makes sense. I don't know right now if the Mariners have a candidate for that because, and I've written about this in our, um, in the, my weekly Twitter mailbag, the, the new column or whatever, but, uh, and talking with some people within the Mariners, the, the thing is with Mitch Hanniger and Marco Gonzalez, like the two guys that you look at, they're old. I mean, not old, old, not like you're old, not like old like you or me, but <laughs> you're much older than me. But like Mitch is 28, I think, and Marco's 27, going to be 28. And that, you know, if you look at where they have, um, if you look at where they're at in terms of club control and everything, their first years of free agency are like age 31. You know, the teams are going away from paying 31 year olds. So, you know, I don't know that. They would they would probably if they ever did an extension with these guys they would buy out the first year of free agency with maybe an option for the second at age thirty two but they would never go beyond that it would make no sense it goes against everything that's trending now in baseball in terms of where you're at and and how you view players and what you view their maxes yeah I think it's more likely that they do it with the next wave of guys let's say Justice Sheffield comes up. Uh, in June and finishes really strong mm-hmm. and shows that he's you know a big part of their future. He's going to be in the rotation in in, in twenty twenty. You know he's the kind of guy that you would look to do that with. And you uh, could do it for ostensibly less than like a Mitch, you know, an extension for Hanniger or something like that. You know, like if you went with Sheffield, you could do the. I wouldn't say Albie's numbers, but something like that, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. You know Evan White, guys like that that you expect to move up through the system and be, you know, cornerstones of your future. Uh, you don't do it now, but um, you do it shortly after they get up here and, and show that they can handle this. And and uh, you know, right behind them, you know, Kelnick and and, and Rodriguez and, and guys like that. Um, I mean, we'll see. We we've got a we've got a contract, uh, you know, basic agreement that's going to be up in a couple of years and there's going to be a protracted negotiation and the, and the rules might all change, uh, that it might alter the, the team's thinking on this. But, but right now, um, yeah, there was a surge there of, of six or seven of these, uh, long-term deals with young, you know, rising stars that definitely looked like it was a trend and everyone started wondering who, who was, who was going to be next. And, you're right. You know, Hanneker isn't doesn't fit that classic mold, and neither does Mitch. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, 
and, and maybe that's why there's been a run on these guys is they realize that a CBA could change and they might not get the kind of money that they want. So why not get the extension now and, and get some money set aside before, you know, in case there is a work stoppage. Yeah. And let's hope there's not, I mean, they've, they're, uh, 94, which I lived through covering that strike. Uh, you know, it's been 25 years now of labor peace, which was almost thought to be impossible in baseball. There was, there, there was a work stoppage virtually every time the CBA came due. And then they realized, I mean, that almost killed baseball. And, uh, I think the fact that they've worked it out so many, you know, three or four different CBA expirations, they've come up with a deal has led to a little more trust between the, the, the two sides, but that seems to be uh, evaporating now. And the, the, the mood is not, uh, it's, it's the worst it's been probably since 94. So that's kind of an ominous development. Um, I mean, it was a good sign that they got together and and made uh, came to some agreement on these these issues that they're going to start on uh, uh, time, you know, the uh, pace of game and those kind of things. That they, you know, that was a sign that they could still they could still work together and hopefully both. You know, whenever there's a work stoppage, it's almost instantly uh, detrimental to everybody, <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, hopefully, you hope that the cooler heads prevail, but it's going to be some some tense some tense times leading up to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to cover that. I'll let you do it since <laughs> you have the experience. Um, no, no, no. It's it's time for you to to learn the ropes of of strikes or walkouts or lockouts or whatever. It is. No, 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 no. Um, so we're, we're what, a month and, oh, not even a month, are we? Where are we at? What's the day? Well, it's been a month since you've been in Japan, right? Yeah, uh, it's all run together for me. Um, <laughs> do you two, remember going to Japan or does that seem like another lifetime? It ago? does seem like another lifetime ago. Uh, and although the scale still shows that I was in Japan eating and not working out. Or <laughs> I think that was Kansas City, not well, Japan. Well, that too, that, that was, <laughs> we won't, well, yes, that, that was, there was some eating done in Kansas City. There was eating done tonight, as you, as you saw in the thread, the uh, yeah. Mexican food I had at Sabroso Grill. Oh, my God. Um, so we're a, couple, we're a couple weeks in. What's What's been your biggest surprise of the season overall? I know you've been watching some games and stuff. What has been your most surprising thing you've seen? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Boston Red Sox. I knew you were work. going there. I thought maybe you'd go home runs, like the number of home runs being hit, but I knew because we were just kind of talking about that earlier about how bad Boston is. Yeah, I mean, they got the worst record now. They lost again today. The worst record in the American League at 6 and 13. It's a winning percentage of 316. Uh, they've already fallen eight and a half games behind the Tampa Bay Rays, who are just uh, ridiculous. But the, you know, the Rays won 90 games last year very quietly, and they've got an unbelievable pitching staff. Uh, they've got a, no, uh, a no-name lineup. I mean, you barely heard of anybody in that, that, that lineup. But, I mean, they could pitch and, and defend as well as anybody, and they, they're running away with that division right now. I, you know, the Yankees will get some – people back they've got the whole team hurt uh and the red sox will eventually write to themselves but uh they they've been a they've been a huge huge story yeah i mean the the continuing trend uh towards uh the three true outcomes 
it's particularly the two outcomes of, of home runs and strikeouts, uh, it's it's extremely alarming. I mean, the the percentage of strikeouts is going to be a new record, that, according to the early trends, for like the eighth straight year. And home run, the percentage of hits that are home runs is at an all-time high. And when there's a strikeout and when there's a home run, there's no action on the field. There's not people running around and plays being made and you know it's it's a perplexing problem for baseball to to they've got to figure out a way to get balls in play that don't go over the fence <laughs> and you said uh, balls in play <laughs> <laughs> oh grow up uh, <laughs> uh don't you agree on that yeah oh I mean, no I, I mean it's been i mean look at the mariners you know like the mariners by nature, they aren't traditional home run hitters. I mean, Jay Bruce hits a lot of home runs, and Edwin Encarnacion hits home runs, but they're they're just hitting homer after homer, and you know that's it's amazing how many there are. Look at the Dodgers. You know, the, they hit eight in the first game of the season. It's it's kind of absurd. Um, the Red Sox. I mean, we watched them in person. They 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 played horribly. And they shouldn't, you know, the Mariners gave that one game away because that was when Strickland was hurt. But they made a ton of errors or mistakes on the bases. They weren't very good in the field. You know, at that point, Pedroia wasn't playing. So they're piecing together second base. They just played really undisciplined. And then they were doing that thing with their pitchers where, you know, their pitchers were all about two weeks behind everybody else's pitchers because they're trying to save them for a postseason. So, like, Sale looked out of it. Porcello didn't look good. They, these guys all looked like they were still stuck in spring training mode because they were because of how they handled them in spring training. And, and it's look what it's led to. Um, it's pretty, pretty – I mean, Baltimore has one more win than they do. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I understand their intention with this, with this spring training plan that they had. Uh, you know, they, they played a whole extra month last year in the – in the postseason, and they expect to this year. So that takes toll on pitchers when you when you're in the playoffs every year. Um, but they were going into the season with just a handful of innings for guys like Price and Sale, and uh, and really all their starters because you know by design they just dialed them back. And you know, they, that looks like a like a terrible miscalculation just by what you've seen for the first three weeks like you said they've they've just been terrible and, you know and, and it's not just the pitching mookie betts the mvp uh barely hitting 200 jackie bradley's hitting 160 they're just not hitting they're playing poorly in the field and their and their pitching has been very very inconsistent but the good thing is that they have a very patient reasonable fan base <laughs> that will that will uh you know be behind him a hundred percent and and not complain. So that's that's good for them. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, I, that, that's been for me. I would say a surprise, but like uh, Christian Yelich, dude. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I only I, I know it more because he's on my fantasy team. But oh my god, I mean they're good, and the Cubs have been terrible to start the season. They had expectations. They're awful. Joe Madden might not make it through the season, which is <laughs> unbelievable. The Brewers, I'm... yeah, the Brewers. Well, the Brewers were one win away from the World Series oh, last yeah. year, I mean, and yeah, they. I mean, you, you Kane and, and Yelich and Braun is a, you know, is a heck of a, a 
Because that Aguilar guy isn't even hitting right now. It's just oh, yeah, man. and they got a pretty decent pitching. But how about the uh, the the Miami Marlins? I mean, they are just indescribably bad. Yes. Um, you know, I was looking today, <laughs> looking yesterday, because this is the sort of thing I look at. I was looking at what they got back for. You know, you trade or you get rid of Stanton, Ozuna, and Yelich. You'd and better be Gordon. And Gordon, but I was specifically looking at those three, that outfield that oh, yeah. of 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 all star caliber guys. You trade those three, you'd better get, you know, the foundation for uh, for your future. And I was looking, I, I was looking at each guy that they got back in those trades, the minor leaguers, and there's a bunch of them who are who aren't doing anything in the minor leagues. They're they're not performing. So I mean, it doesn't look like they got the. Uh, you know the future superstar that you'd expect for those guys, and you know you throw in the other guys they traded, which is D. Gordon and, and a couple of other guys, and yet they don't seem to have the uh, the next generation there. Uh, I mean they're drawing six thousand a night, you know Tampa as well with a with the best record in baseball right now at fourteen and four, they're drawing twelve thousand. Uh, now you just have to wonder about baseball in Florida, and and will it ever really make it? I know the, I know the 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 Rays need a new ballpark, and that's it's a terrible atmosphere in that dome there, and and all that, and it's not in the right place. They'll tell you it shouldn't be in, you know, St. Pete and all that stuff. But um, uh, the Marlins got their new stadium. And their attendance is horrendous, and you can hardly blame those people because they traded away the core of a. You know, if they'd gone the other way when Derek Jeter took over and said, "Okay, we've got so many all stars here, we're really close. Let's let's open the wallet and and go for it," he would have gotten a lot of goodwill, and they might have, uh, you know, with the new stadium and all, they might have made it work. But you know, they tried that before once and won the world series they tried it again and it was a dismal failure the Aussie Gian years but uh what they've got going now is just horrendous yeah i i don't hate the, the Rays stadium because it, you're always gonna play and it's easy yeah there's to, something to be said for that it's easy to work in and it's not very loud other than the cowbells so you can work post game it's kind of nice they have actually pretty good food i mean like i don't hate the tampa trip i mean i like st pete but i get nobody look florida's got a lot of stuff going on there, there are a lot of weird, weird people in florida it's just not a priority baseball's not a priority there and you know and most of them people are transplants so they're not like you know, not everybody's Dick Vitale and jumping on the Rays bandwagon. I do think if they keep winning, that'll get better. But and I don't know that it, I don't know that it'll ever stick there. The team would look great in Montreal, probably. Yeah, I mean they've they've been in a World Series that didn't help. They've been in the playoffs a surprising amount of time. You know, the Madden years. Uh, they've been a pretty good ball club with with limited resources for for a while there. Um, I, I I wonder if if spring if having spring training there for all these years and you so you get a chance to see Major League Baseball for six weeks all over the state. Uh, I wonder if that's a factor in uh, in in the poor attendance. Um, it's possible. I mean, you know, like with the with Miami, they really tried to tap into the Latin community, and that didn't even work. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's 
And then well, the, 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 the Jeter, the Jeter thing. You might as well just yeah. hire A Rod too, for God's sakes. You're yeah, right. I mean, it, God, have you ever seen a reputation, a flawless, you know, pristine reputation, be damaged as much as as Derek Jeter's has since he went into management and ownership and all that? It's been an unmitigated disaster. Um, and well, I don't see any signs of it getting better anytime soon. We'll hear all about his greatness next year when he's Hall of Fame eligible, though, Larry. Oh, yes, God. Uh, Will he be unanimous? Oh, Will he match his uh, Mariano? Of course. Like, it, it, yeah. the, the person, the per, if there was a person that didn't vote for him, they, they, the New York BBWA <laughs> would have them excommunicated to Mars. <laughs> well, it is possible to not vote for someone and no one to know, as we found out with the three people still unknown who didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr., because you are not required to reveal your vote. I mean, most of us, you and me and most of our peers, choose to make our vote public. But it's even though the, the BBWAA actually voted to require – uh, uh, ballots to be public. It was the Hall of Fame who overruled us yeah. and said no. Uh, they didn't want that, and so you know, they, you could you could have some safe you you could safely not vote for Jeter and and uh, and live to tell about it or live to not tell about it, but. Uh, I I suspect that he will not be unanimous because people you know people have did have uh, bad mouth his defense on, you know all these years, but even with that, I mean he had, what thirty three hundred hits and all those titles and uh, uh, I mean no, you, you have to he's an all he's a Hall of Famer you know no brainer. I would I would not vote for him, and then what would happen is I get drunk at Foley's and stand up on the bar and yell, <laughs> "I didn't vote for him." Anybody going to do something about it? That would be something. Yeah, no. yeah and and uh, uh, well, who, what's the name of the guy who does who runs Foley's? Sean uh, Clancy. Sean yeah. will Sean will, uh, will get my... out his video camera and uh, put it on Twitter, and you'd be a yeah. <laughs> you'd be a marked man. They think they'd take my baseball out of there with my name misspelled on the thing too. <laughs> on the steps down to the restroom. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They Fitting might. place for my baseball. <laughs> you my, have a baseball there. I don't. So well, you, next I can't, time you I, go I, there, you'll have to sign <laughs> one. I, I will say one of my favorite things has been um, uh, watching. Mostly, I do it to mock our good friend Kevin Shockey, but I find the Phillies fascinating because Bryce, just because of Bryce, and like I'm, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop where it gets bad, or like you know they booed Segura in the first game, which is amazing to me because he struck out with the bases loaded and then something else. But I find the Phillies pretty fascinating. I love watching them for whatever reason, um, you know, and the draw, you know, just because it's drama. I mean, that, that NL East could be kind of interesting. The Nationals, they, they, how do you not just sign Craig Kimbrell? Why didn't they just sign Craig Kimbrell in the offseason? I know they don't want to flirt with the luxury tax, but. Their bullpen is so bad. It is so, so very bad. Max Scherzer like has no yeah. decisions this year. And I mean I know the pitcher wins or anything, but they don't even win the games he pitches anymore. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, there's there's about five teams that could that should sign Kimbrell. I mean, including the Atlanta Braves who lost Viscaino for the season. Uh so uh you know, the the Red Sox could use him back. Yeah. Uh and they wouldn't have to give up a draft pick. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think he's going to sign pretty pretty soon. 
And Keiko has got to sign pretty soon, you'd think. But the longer it goes, the longer it's going to take them to get back, and the, the less value you're going to get for them, and the, the greater the chance that they're they're not going to have a good year because because they're going to be rusty or you know the ill effects of not really having a spring training and all that. Um, that's a that's a big risk. I mean, it's just uh, it's mind boggling that two players of that caliber are still sitting on the sidelines. Well, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, might have something to do with that. Yeah, I'm sure they're 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 asking for the moon, and I mean, if you want to play baseball, I guess you're going to have to you're going to have to lower those demands and be re- more realistic about it. And I know that's frustrating to those guys because they think they've earned it, and they probably have. But the markets, it's just you know, call it what you want. Uh, teams getting smart or collusion or, or whatever it is. Uh, the the uh, the whole outlook and game for spring for for free agents has just made a dramatic turn and guys in their early 30s uh like those guys are just not going to get the contracts that that they did just five years ago or even less it's uh um and that's what the you know going back (laughs) piggybacking on what we were talking about before that's what this union fight is going to be a large part about teams if teams have the control early in a player's life, you know, in the minor leagues and pre-arbitration, and they have the control from 30 on because they're not giving these guys contracts, then the the window to to make the big money is is has is very finite for these players, and they're going to want to make it so that they can hit free agency earlier and arbitration earlier. And there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a big fight over those kinds of issues. Yeah, that's. I mean, like I'd heard that Kimbrel wanted five years. I'd never heard of a closer getting five years, and Keiko wanted Keiko wanted the same contract as Patrick Corbin when he's older. His velocity has gone down steadily in the last few years. He hasn't been the same pitcher. Reportedly, he kind of turned down a, basically a, a decent, almost like a $100 million extension with the Astros a year ago because he thought he'd get more on the market. I mean, that's bad advice. You know, and, and Boris still makes a lot of money for his clients, but got to know the market a little bit. I, I do think Kimbrell can get back and be ready faster. Like, there's more uh, roadblocks for Dallas Keuchel to have success than there is for Kimbrell just because relievers get ready quicker you know he Keigel's a f- pitch to feel guy and he, he hasn't pitched in games I don't care how many simulated games you're throwing in and bullpens like you you don't have a spring training you don't do all that competitive stuff it's just hard to ramp it up and step in uh, Kimbrell will be better and teams don't want to give up that draft pick I mean the Mariners had to give up if they were to sign either one of those guys, they have to give up the 77th pick in the draft. And when you're a team that's trying to rebuild your farm system and continue to add younger talent, giving up draft picks that high in the draft is not exactly a wise decision. No, I mean, I'm sure you you got the same emails I got, and matter of fact, I'm still getting, of saying that the Mariners need to go get Kimbrel because their bullpen is so bad. They're just they're just not going to do it. <laughs> they're not going to get Kimbrel uh, for of many of the reasons you mentioned number one being the draft choice number two being the fear that you know if, if that he may not be as good as uh you'd think because of the circumstances and the time it'll take him to get ready you're not going to get the benefit of, of him for a while the fact that he's there were some alarming signs in his statistics uh velocity and and walk ratio and stuff like that so 
uh, you know, you know, if you're a Mariner fan and you're thinking Kimbrel, you just need to put that out of your mind because they're out of your head because that's just not something that they, that they're going to do. It makes no sense because like spending twenty million dollars, and and the one thing is the moment Craig Kimbrel says he takes a one year deal, everybody jumps in. Yeah, exactly. You pointed that out before. If the Mariners can sign him, that means that other teams could yeah, can sign him too, and he's are, not going to. Yeah, yeah. Like he'll, he'll go to the Braves. Like if the Braves offered one million dollars less, like say the Mar- the Mariners offered him one year fifteen million, he was considering taking it, and the Braves said we'll offer you one year fourteen million. He'd probably still go to the Braves. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the Mariners are not going to be a. They're going to have to outpay to get somebody like him, and I, they're just not going to do it. Well, and, and, and it doesn't make them any that much better. You know, I mean, sure, it cleans up some games. They're, you know, they're. Their problems are getting leads into the seventh or the eighth and ninth inning. It's not having a guy that's blowing leads. They're they're not good enough right now to have those leads going into the eighth and ninth because they they give runs away late in games because their their setup guys aren't very good. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, who do you think is going to? I mean, usually when you have a bullpen by committee, somebody emerges uh, just naturally to be the closer, and the committee sort of falls into place but you look at you know you've got Elias two saves Bradford Sadzik Swarzik uh, um, and even Rumbelow all with with saves and I don't see anybody who yet has like seized that where okay they've got a one run lead in the ninth which they haven't had for a while so we haven't seen it but I mean I guess Swarzak is probably the guy that I would, uh, I would think is the likeliest to emerge as the, that guy, but yeah, Brennan you know, has the best stuff. But yeah. I don't think they want to put him into that situation just yet. So they'll use Swarzak and and Ross Cup and Elias. Elias, I mean Elias is. A, uh, I think that's his role. You know, uh, I think he, he he in short stints like that. I think he ramps it up, and you know, I think his stuff is better. Uh, I know and a lot it gives of teams him less to, opportunity to walk the world. That too, yeah. I know teams don't particularly like necessarily left-handed closers because you, you know, you can't play the matchups as as well. But um, but there's been some good ones. So all right, we got they got six games in 80 degree weather. Larry, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was court. it was it was only about 75 at the when I was at uh, Huntington Beach today. But <laughs> you know, it was kind of windy. So they got four versus the Angels, and then two versus a, a, a pretty good Padres team. What do you got for their record? First of all, how are you getting from Anaheim to San Diego? I'll, be driving, driving? I'll be driving down the, the highway. I enjoy that drive. It is actually. a good drive. Yeah. Uh, and I have an off day in San Diego on Monday. I might oh, man. Too. You're going to get those uh, those tacos. That yeah, you like. shrimp tacos from the tin fish. Tin fish, yeah. And, Oh man, uh, you've had. I mean, Chicago, all those day games. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City with the you were like gorging like a like a maniac. Yes. And now and now, in eight games and or what is it? Six games in SoCal with two yeah. days basically off today yeah. and then Monday. That is a that is a schedule. I hope I'm going to go. Aren't listening to this, by the way. But. <laughs> uh, I'm going three and three. Okay. I, I, yeah. What about you? I yeah. I think three and three. I think they can get one. I think. I don't think the Angels are very good. I mean, we saw no. them early. They had a horrible lineup. Yeah, Trout. That's about it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, they they need to get uh, Kikuchi a win somehow, just to kind yeah. of, kind of uh, uh, he can relax a little bit and uh, maybe you know I, I still like the guy and uh, but um, you know he's got to figure out a way to get over those early innings yeah. uh, woes that he has. But you're right, San Diego is a good uh, uh, you know. They're an instructive team for the Mariners because they kind of did what the Mariners uh, are doing, um, which is turned over their roster and made a lot of uh, veteran for prospect type trades and ended up with the best farm system by most accounts in baseball and then went out and got aggressive uh, to get Manny Machado. um, And now they're winning. They're in first place. So, you know, I know everyone – compares them to the to the Brewers as the kind of the role model team and, and that there's truth to that but the Padres are another team that looks like they have successfully executed a rebuild we'll find out all right yeah I'll say three and three too I I can't the the Padres bullpen is pretty good and I just don't know that the Mariners the Mariners lose one of their hitters by by playing in a National League park too you know some- yeah so have some pitch hit opportunities, but you don't have – you're taking away three at-bats basically from either Encarnacion or Vogelbach or Bruce on yeah. a given day. Now you're going to have two of those guys on Yeah, there. I guess you're right. You'll have two unless, you know, unless they sit Malix in one of those games. But you don't necessarily want to sit Malix in – although he's like – him and Hanley are about the same defensively, but that park is real big in center. So. All right, well, this is a good return. I promise not to leave my laptop anywhere, and we'll uh, <laughs> figure out what we're going to have to talk about next. So we've, we saw that we missed the high. We were catching the low. Maybe we'll next week will just be in the middle. Sounds good. Have All right. fun. All right, man. See All you. right. See you. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast presented by the Seattle Times with your host, Ryan Divish. Thanks to the Midnight Salvage Company for providing the beds and bumper music for the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can reach Ryan via email, rdivish at seattletimes.com. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Divish or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ryan Divish. Thanks for listening.